Good morning, Calvary. It's good to be with you guys today. As Garrett said, uh, my name is Sean Metz. Um, I serve as a deacon and then uh, in the student ministry here at Calvary. So it's good to be with you guys this morning, um, the final Sunday of 2020. It's really weird to be saying that, the final Sunday of 2020. We all know that it has been a difficult year for everybody um, in some way, shape, or form. The phrase new normal probably comes to mind quite readily. Um, for myself, this new normal really hit home in March when I worked with my first coronavirus patient. Um, I work as a, as a home health physical therapist, which means I go to my patients' homes to work with them and provide physical therapy. And my first coronavirus patient, um, I went to her home, I worked with her, gave her physical therapy, um, and then um, afterwards I went to my car and I was like, man, I really just need a shower right now. I just really need a shower. So drove straight home, took my scrubs off in the garage, and started walking through our back door uh, through the kitchen. And then that's when I heard it. Um, our preschooler, Eli, was on a Zoom call um, with his preschool <laughs> class. Then, and here's his dad walking through the kitchen half naked. So, so that was my introduction to a new normal in 2020. You're never alone in your home. You're never alone. There's going to be a Zoom call or a FaceTime call in any room in the house. Well, we all have stories we could tell to help describe the pain, suffering, anger, weirdness, joy, and humor um, from the past year. Because of this tumultuous year we've had with the virus, with acts of racism, economical and political division, I do think that we find ourselves in a very rare point um, in history. A point where not just a city or a state or a country has been hit by a tragedy, but something, uh oh. Test, test, okay, we're good, all right. But the whole world has been affected by this virus this year. And so, therefore, I think millions, if not billions of people this year will be asking questions such as, what's the point? Um, why am I here? Um, does God even care? Is there a God? Where do I find love, hope, joy, and peace? And as we just finished the Advent season, we can say with confidence that Jesus is the one true and eternal source of love, joy, hope, and peace. So where do we start? If people are searching for answers and we have the answer in Jesus, where do we start? Well, as we'll see in Scripture, our first step to take is to pray. To pray. Theologian Karl Barth said, uh, To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. So this brings us to our scripture for today. Uh, please open your Bible or Bible app um, and stand with me. Open to uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, and follow along with me as I read. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, 
I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. You may be seated, and let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for today. Um, Thank you that we get to gather here today as a church family, both here in church and online. Um, Thank you for your word that we get to hear from you in the Bible. Um, Thank you that we get to gather as a family, hear from you, and then just pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be with us here today and help us to learn from you, learn from your word, and then help us to go and act on your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look at our scripture for today in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What he's saying is there are lots of people who need to hear about me, who are ready to hear the good news of Jesus. But there are few workers who are available to go and share this good news. So the first thing you need to do is pray and ask God for help. Today we'll look at three P's of prayer. This is not an exhaustive list of P's. We could probably come up with 10 or 20 P's of prayer, but today we'll look at three important P's of prayer to help remind us to ground ourselves in prayer before going and telling our family, friends, and neighbors about the good news of Jesus. So P number one. P number one, prayer is a privilege. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Prayer is a privilege. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, most or major, most of our major religions here um, in the world pray. Uh, For example, Hindus pray to multiple different gods and goddesses. Muslims pray to an almighty and unknowable God. Um, Our guest preacher, Mr. Mayeni, I won't try to pronounce his first name, um, told us that people from Swaziland pray to their ancestors. Um, In the Old Testament, God made a covenant with, his, with the Israelites called the Old Covenant. Um, a covenant is like a formal binding contract or agreement between two parties. The Old Covenant consisted of rules, laws, judgments, Ten Commandments. Um, and under the Old Covenant, the high priest was required to shed the blood of an animal in a sacrifice every year on the Day of Atonement. And the high priest alone was able to enter the most holy place and approach the mercy seat, which represented the throne of God. Now, friends, we are under a new covenant with God. Jesus Christ initiated this new covenant by offering himself as a sacrifice and shedding his blood for the sins of the world. And as it says in Hebrews, Jesus is our great high priest. When you become a Christian and you believe in Jesus, that he is God's son, that he was crucified for the sins of the world, that he died and rose from the grave, you get to pray directly to God. It's such a privilege. Um, We no longer have to offer animal sacrifices every time we sin. Thank God, I would have to live in a zoo. I'd be like, honey, get me another meerkat. I did it again. Uh, I could never harm an animal, though. But 
Have you ever seen a meerkat at the zoo? They are just awesome animals. They sit on their hind legs and their front legs just like this, and they just kind of look around all day. It's great. If I could be a meerkat, I would. Um, So Christian prayer is a privilege. We get to pray to God who hears our prayers. Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, intercedes for us. And if that weren't enough, God gives us the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us and helps us to pray. Christian prayer, or Christian prayer is a privilege. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Romans 8.34, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. In Romans 8.26-27, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Christian prayer is a privilege. Uh, P number two, prayer is personal. C.S. Lewis said, the prayer preceding all prayers is this, may it be the real I who speaks, may it be the real thou that I speak to. In Luke chapter 5 verse 16, but he, Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So as we see in the Bible, Jesus would often go off by himself and spend hours and hours with God in prayer. Um, One thing that I've learned as I've grown older is that relationships can be hard. Uh, More specifically, adult relationships can be hard. When you're younger, it can be hard, but you get time with your friends, unless it's a year of pandemic, but you get time in sports, in school, um, at work. You get time to spend with your friends, but as you get older, you have a job, you have a family, you have hobbies, you volunteer your time, you have to binge watch Netflix. Um, So as your time fills up, you have less and less time for other people, and and that makes it difficult for relationships. Well, it's the same with our relationship with God. If we don't spend time with Him, it's hard to develop a relationship with Him. So first, we need to spend time with God. He He already knows our hearts, our thoughts, our motives, our circumstances. And as we spend more time with him, then we're able to talk, to listen, to ask questions, to meditate on scripture with him. And as we do that, our personal relationship with God grows deeper and it flourishes. Philip Yancey said, sometimes I wonder if the words I use are the least important part of prayer. Who am I and who is God? If I can answer those two questions, the words I pray recede. Prayer invites me to lower defenses and present the self that no other person fully knows to God who already knows. So practically for me, um, what this looks like is time in the morning before my kids wake up. I'm able to have some quiet time um, before my kids wake up. Um, Quiet time with the Lord. And then, but... A year or two years ago when we had little kids, that was pretty much impossible. When the kids were up all night screaming, crying, it was really hard. Um, So it's going to look different for all of us. Um, For me also, I'm able to drive in between uh, my patients, so I'll have a little downtime to drive. And I know every time I get in the car, I'm going to have a choice. I can spend some time with God as I drive, or I can turn on sports radio. 
or the news radio, but generally it's sports. And a lot of times I do choose the radio, honestly. But I can tell you that when I do spend time with God in the car, it, gives, it makes me feel a lot better. It fills me up with joy, with love, and peace, which then I can, when I see my patients throughout the day, it, it, I'm able to give that to them. And when I get home from work, I have a lot more to give my family when I spend those days um, more time with God. Again, I'm definitely not perfect at that, not even close. So it'll look different for, for everyone. Um, Calvary, what can you do this year to spend more time with God? What's one thing you can do this year to spend more time with God? So that was number two. Prayer is personal. Number three, prayer is a partnership. Prayer is a partnership. Luke chapter 10, verse 3, our scripture for today, says, Go your way, behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. In Luke 10, 2, Jesus says, tells us to pray, and then in verse 3, he says, Go. Another way of putting it is this. Prayer should not lead to passivity. Jesus spent long hours in prayer, and then he would spend long hours meeting people's needs. So prayer should not lead to passivity. Um, So after we earnestly cry out to God in prayer, our work isn't finished. Uh, We then, with the power of the Holy Spirit, get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. On Thanksgiving Day this year, uh, it was my my turn to work a holiday. Um, And so I worked on Thanksgiving. I saw another patient with, who had returned home um, with COVID. And she told me her sad story that it was beginning of November and, and her and her, her husband had been starting to get sick. They don't have family in town, so they didn't have anyone to come in and check on them and take care of them. And the next thing she knew, the police were breaking down her front door to do a welfare check on them. And they found her husband dead in her bedroom, in their bedroom, and she was unconscious um, in the in the bathtub. And so, after my evaluation with her, I asked if I could pray with her, and she said I could, and we prayed together. And then afterwards, she looked up at me and she said, "You know, God's church has been so good to me through all of this." This is a lady who who had just lost her husband from COVID, and she nearly died from COVID. And she said, God's church has been so good to me through all of this. Um, from the, the hospital staff, the doctors, the nurses, to her, her neighbors and church members, um, God had been so good to this woman through this difficult time in her life. <clears throat> so prayer is a partnership. We ask, God answers, and then with the power of the Holy Spirit, we go and we act. We ask God answers, and then we act. Or sometimes we ask, and then we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and then we act. Or sometimes we ask, and God answers in a totally different way. And then we we change our will. We change our course of action. We don't try to ask God and try to manipulate God into doing our will. We change our will, and then we go and act in God's will. So we ask, God answers, and then we act. We get to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, In conclusion, um, just a few application points. Friend, if you are listening and you are not yet a Christian, 
please know that God loves you so, so much. He loves you so much. Sometimes when I get to hug my, my wife and my kids and I can't express how much I love them, I just squeeze them so tight, I say, I'm going to squeeze the juice out of you. I love you so much. I'm going to squeeze the juice out of you. God loves you that much. <clears throat> he loves you more than that. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to hold you and squeeze you. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you, for me, and for the sins of the world. He loves you so much, and he's calling you today into a relationship with himself. He's asking you to take a step of faith and believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God. Christian, if you are not praying, please do. You know it can be hard. The Christian life is full of ups and downs, seasons of joy, seasons of dryness. Please be in prayer. God wants to hear from you. Your marriage needs your prayers. Your family needs your prayers. Your friends, your pastors, your church, your community, the world needs your prayers. So please be in prayer and spend time with God. And Christian, if you are praying, keep it up. Let's pray more this next year. Let's love and encourage each other. Let's spur each other on to pray more. Let's pray to God that he will send out workers into the harvest fields, into Littleton, into Denver, the United States, and throughout the whole world. So let's remember that prayer is a privilege that we have in Jesus. Let's remember to spend time with him in prayer. And let's go and squeeze the juice out of the people God puts in our lives by loving them with the love of Jesus. Let's pray. <clears throat> um, God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. We're so thankful that you sent your son Jesus to die um, on the cross for us. We're so thankful that you give us the Holy Spirit that allows us to, to live true, um, joyful, hopeful lives here in, in, on earth, God, with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, 2020 has been a horrible year for so many different people. And um, God, you are righteous, you are, you are just, you are perfect, you are holy, you are loving. And we know that you care about these issues even more than we do. And God, we confess that uh, more often than not, we are part of the problem rather than the solution. And so we ask, God, that you would please come into our hearts and minds and change us. Help us to grow and be more like Jesus. Help us to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen.